Well, good morning again, everybody. Good to see you. Glad you're here. We have a little bit of a different feel this morning. Hope you're okay with that. We don't normally have our elementary kids here, but hi, kids. Glad you're here. Who's glad to be here? Raise your hand. I met the adults. I'm just teasing. Okay, so the plan today is we are going to finish a summer series that we started called Summer Gospel Nuggets. We've been doing it the entire summer, and we're going to finish that today, Lord willing. And then next Sunday, Lord willing, we are going to start a new book series, probably through the book of Ephesians, actually. I know we toyed with 2 Peter, but it looks like we're leaning toward the book of Ephesians. So, Lord willing, we will start that next Sunday. But today, we're going to finish our series called Summer Gospel Nuggets. And we're going to call the title of the lesson today, The Great I Am. And I want you to throw away what you think about sermons, okay? Because today's going to have a very different feel today. I want you guys to not just be audience members today, but participants, okay? That's very important that everybody is willing to participate today. I'm not going to embarrass you, okay? So don't get really scared. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. But I'm hoping you do want to do all of these things. Anyways, we're calling the lesson today, The Great I Am. And I get that from John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus said this once to the Pharisees, and I want you to listen to the phrasing of this sentence. He said to them after they were disputing whether he was from God or not, and they were saying, hey, Moses is our forefather. Moses is our foundation. Listen to what Jesus said in response. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Now, there's a couple interesting things about that. Jesus said, before Abraham ever was, before Abraham was ever a created being, I existed. But it's interesting that he said, I am and not I was, because he could have said it that way, before Abraham was, I was, I was before Abraham. But I think the interesting phrasing of I am is basically saying, I was never created. I always have been, I always will be, I am the great I am, I am the beginning and the last, the alpha and the omega, I always have been and I always will be. And that's what we're going to look at today, that Jesus is the great I am. And what we're going to do is look at seven different sayings, phrases that Jesus called himself, starting with I am. I am something. I am something. And we're going to look at seven of those, and we'll get to those here in a minute. But did you ever find something or someone that kind of did everything? You guys have heard the term renaissance man, maybe? Someone that sort of does everything, or maybe it's a tool that does a lot of things. I know back in the day... If you're a sports fan, maybe you've heard of a guy named Bo Jackson. Who's heard of Bo Jackson? Okay, two people. Really? He was popular. Bo Jackson was the kind of guy that was good at every sport. He was in at least football and baseball professionally, but he was one of those guys that was good at every sport. And I grew up, and you guys remember the old commercials, Bo Knows This, Bo Knows That. There was old commercials where Bo could play instruments and do all kinds of things. It was a joke, but the idea behind Bo Jackson is that he could do a thousand things well. Uh, somewhere along the beginning part of my life, I got into what was called Swiss Army Knives. You guys remember those? I liked Swiss Army Knives. I don't know what it was about Swiss Army Knives, but they were cool. Swiss Army Knives were kind of the same thing, right? They were, they were a knife, but they had a lot of different components to it. It had like a a bottle opener and a file and help me out a magnifying glass and a back massager <laughs> and a, a barn razor and I don't know but there are all kinds of things in Swiss Army knives and I had to have one I think I got one for Christmas it was kind of a knockoff but it had like a hundred things it was <laughs> it was a Poland Army knife but 
But it had, it had one of those things where it did a lot of things, and I liked that, that you could basically take this one thing and do a lot of things with it. Well, now what we have today is what's called smartphones. Does anyone remember your first smartphone? Because for a while, they weren't smartphones. They were just phones. And you could call, and for a while, texting became kind of popular, and it's like, wow, I can send a text from my phone. I remember when that was cool, going, man, I could tell someone a message by typing it. And then a couple years later, they had what was called the internet on phones. And now we have what we have today, where it's basically you're taking an entire theater with you, right? Or an entire computer in your pocket. Because now smartphones can do a lot of different things. Well, today we're going to look at the one, the true one, who is everything to us. He can do everything. He is everything. He's everything important and everything good that we need him to do. And we have three goals today with our lesson called I Am. And I want to get to these three goals, Lord willing. Goal number one is this, to understand what Jesus said about himself. Because these are not opinions. These are declarations that Jesus said about himself. Okay, and that's really important to know. I am not slanting this anyway. We're going to get exactly these things from Scripture. So our first goal is to understand what Jesus said about himself. Number two is to believe who Jesus is in everything that he's taught us and told us. That's goal number two. Goal number three is, based on all of that, is to give Jesus our all. Because he deserves it, he demands it. And that's what he expects from those who say they love him. So we're going to look at seven different I am's today. And I know that sounds uh, aggressive. But what we're going to do is look at seven different I am's. And we're going to pause very briefly, briefly on each one. And we have an illustration that goes along with every single one. So at least seven illustrations today. I don't really know how this is going to go. If it doesn't go according to script, just roll with it. Humor me. But we're going to look at these seven declarations of what Jesus said, I am. And the first one is this. He said in John 6, I am the bread of life. We've talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We're going to pause and remember that one again. The second one Jesus said from John 8, and these all go in order according to the Gospel of John. They're all in chronological. Help me out. Chronological. Chronological order. So John 6, I am the bread of life. In John 8, he said, I am the light of the world. Number three, in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door and the good shepherd. That's number three. Number four, from John 11, he said, I am the resurrection. That's an important one. Number five, as we just sang about, in John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's a really important one. John 15, as we've talked about a couple weeks ago too, is I am the true vine. John said, Jesus said that in John 15. And the last one doesn't come from John. It comes from the book of Revelation. And Jesus said, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. So we're going to fly over these very briefly today. Don't get too concerned that the time is going to go too long. But this is built for adults and children today. So no matter where you are today, this is going to work for us today. So we're going to learn seven things that Jesus said about himself. And I want to get right into it, okay? So let's get right into it. Let's get to John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you could follow along. But I did put the text on the screen. And I want you to listen to Jesus' words. John chapter 6, listen to verses 25 to 35. This is, this is, to set this up, basically these people, this group of people were following Jesus. They were trying to get to where Jesus was. Maybe you guys remember when we talked through this. And they're trying to track Jesus down because it was only yesterday that Jesus had done the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And these people who are now tracking him down were there and had experienced that miracle. So these people are now trying to find out where Jesus is and trying to get to him because maybe he'll do something like that again. So we're going to pick up the text in verse 25. This is what it says. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? 
Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in whom he has sent. So they said to him, that What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. See, the people that were following Jesus here thought that they wanted and needed physical food. They had just had, were there when Jesus fed the 5,000 with five small loaves and two small fish. He fed 5,000 people, at least 5,000 people. And these people were a part of that miracle going, man, now that guy has exactly what we need. We need to be around Jesus so he can continually feed us and give us bread from heaven. And Jesus is attempting to teach these people that they didn't just need physical food. They needed something greater than that. The people thought they needed physical food dropped from the sky, similar to their forefathers. If you remember that story, they're in the wilderness, they're hungry, and God drops what's called manna from the sky, and the people ate it. And I'm sure that story had been told to these people countless times. So they knew this story, and they thought that being around Jesus meant bread from heaven, food from heaven. But Jesus, as we know, came with something much greater than just bread, didn't he? He came with life. And so he's attempting to teach them that they need something more than what Moses gave them in the wilderness. They needed something more profound. I have a question for everybody today, and maybe I can get a couple answers. What is your favorite drink when you're thirsty? Water. <laughs> the adults. Gatorade. Okay, Gatorade? Gatorade? What else? Powerade? Soda. There's an honest answer. How about Kool-Aid? Anybody remember Kool-Aid? Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid was my favorite drink. Uh, they had one called Brontosaurus something, Purple Saurus Rex. Who knows? But it was really good. I used to down that stuff. So I want you to imagine whatever your favorite drink is. Not water. Water doesn't work. Pick a fun drink. I want you to picture whatever your favorite drink is. I want you to imagine if you could have that drink every meal for the rest of your life. Okay? Every meal, you could have your favorite drink for the rest of your life. My kids get excited from that, right? You can have apple juice every meal, Ed. But in this hypothetical scenario, I want you to imagine that, that you can only have your favorite ju juice at every meal for the rest of your life. That's all you get. Good. That's it? Yeah. Okay. All right, Elijah. I'm going to pick on you then. You can have your juice. What, what was it? Gatorade? Kool-Aid. For the rest of your life, but you can have nothing else to eat or drink? Ah, didn't I say that? You could have no food besides that. You could have no drink besides your Kool-Aid. I want to know how long it would be before you start wanting real food. A couple meals? One meal even? Would one meal be enough to say, okay, I don't just want my juice. I want food as well. Now, okay, that's an illustration for what Jesus is basically saying to us. Because this world promises us that it can satisfy us. 
The world tells us that all the time. If you watch media, if you go on the internet, it tries to sell you things, basically saying, we can satisfy you. We have exactly what you want. But isn't it true that it only lasts for a short time, a moment, before you want something greater? And that's just how we're built. Nothing on earth can satisfy us. We need something better, something greater, something much more satisfying. Now, I'm going to illustrate this now, and I need the volunteers to hand out something. Because we do have an illustration today, and I'm hopefully not going to confuse you with this, but we're going to hand out a roll to everybody. But I don't want you to just tear into that roll. I don't want you to eat it right now, okay? I want you to hold on to it for a moment. Because we're going to illustrate something with this, with this bread. And so our lady's going to hand out these rolls to everybody. If you don't want one, you don't have to take one. Okay, no one's forcing food down your throat. But take a roll if you would like one. And we're going to illustrate something here. And when you get your roll, I want you to look at the roll, okay? I don't want you to eat the roll yet. I want you to look at the roll. And I want you to consider being really, really hungry. Okay, and this, <laughs> he's already there. In this scenario, though, Elijah, I want, I want you to imagine that you've been without food for 21 straight days. Three weeks. Okay? For three weeks, you haven't eaten a single morsel of food. Okay, good question. They say some pe most people can get to three or four weeks without eating food. So in this scenario, you've been without food for three weeks. Now, you've had your juice, you've had your drink. But after three weeks of not eating, I want you to imagine how hungry you would be. Maybe you've seen some of those movies and some of those documentaries where people are on deserted islands or they're trapped in the ocean and they have nothing to eat and they're very malnourished. I want you to picture yourself that way because that's really important for us to understand what Jesus came down with. These people thought they needed bread from heaven, but what they actually needed was something for their soul. And Jesus sort of had to tell them that because they didn't understand that. They just said, God... Give us bread and we'll be happy. And Jesus said, no, you don't just need bread. Because if I give you bread today, you're going to be hungry again later. Tomorrow, you're going to want the same thing over and over and over. But if I give you something for your soul, it will satisfy you for the rest of your lives. And Jesus is basically saying, your hunger is greater than any physical food can satisfy. And isn't it true that this world cannot really satisfy us? No matter what you get, no matter how great it is, no matter how expensive it was, or how much it lines up with your desires, how long is it before you start wanting something greater? Okay, now you can eat the roll, but only if you've imagined yourself without bread, without food for 21 days. How good do you think this bread is going to taste? Pretty good, right? It's probably going to taste good regardless. But if you have been without food, you guys can eat your roll if you want it. If you guys have been without food for 21 days and you eat that roll... What is that satisfaction like? Now, Jesus came down, and he came down to give us bread from heaven, but it's not physical bread. So the bread you're eating now is not the bread Jesus came to give us. He gave to give us something greater, but the physical bread does represent it. And I want you to understand that if you had been without food for 21 days and then you ate, wouldn't you understand how great it is to eat? Jesus is trying to help the people understand that you need me, but you don't quite know exactly how you need me. But if you understand the things we're going to talk about today, by the end you will understand we need the bread of life. We need something for our soul. And Jesus can give us more than our favorite food or favorite drink. In this illustration that I just gave you, it represents the bread of life. When we eat of Jesus, and the, re the way we eat of Jesus is by listening to his words, by obeying his teachings, we are, according to Jesus, forever satisfied. 
forever satisfied. We will never hunger and thirst again if we simply listen to Jesus. We hear his teachings. We obey his word. Jesus says, according to his promise, you'll never hunger and thirst again. I will satisfy you in every way imaginable. But in order to want the bread of life that Jesus offers, you have to see the emptiness of what this world can give you. If you think the world can satisfy you, you're like the person that says, I only want Kool-Aid for the rest of my life. And you don't really understand that Kool-Aid cannot satisfy. So at its best, the world gives, gives us a drink that satisfies us for a short time, but it leaves us wanting more and more. And Jesus promised that if we eat of his words, and we listen to his teachings, and we abide in him according to what he taught us, and we believe in his sacrifice on the cross, we'll be satisfied forever. And isn't that greater than one meal? Isn't that greater than one meal to be satisfied for the rest of your eternal existence? Jesus said, that's exactly why I came. So what we need to do with the bread of life today is we need to trust in him as our savior. We need to follow his lifestyle. We need to listen to his teachings and we need to obey his commandments. And when you do those things, when you trust in Jesus and you follow Jesus and you obey Jesus, you are eating the bread of life. And Jesus said, if you do that, you will always be satisfied. So do you want to be satisfied for one meal or for the rest of your existence? Do you want just physical bread? Do you want just what the world can offer you? Or does your soul long for something more profound? Jesus, the first thing he taught us is, I am the bread of life. Okay, we're going to move quickly. Like I told you, let's go to number two. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, listen to this passage. John 8, verse 12, it's one verse this time. He said, I'm the light of the world. Listen to what he said. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The world that we live in, guys, is spiritually dark without Jesus. Do you agree? Yeah. Is the world spiritually dark without our Lord Jesus Christ? And the reason Jesus came was that because we were all living in darkness and we didn't know which way to go because sin, according to God, is darkness. Sin is darkness. And we were all walking in sin. And the worst part about it is that we didn't know it was that dark. We didn't know sin was that dark. We didn't think it was that bad. So Jesus not only came down to sacrifice his life, but to show us darkness is not the way that you need to go. Darkness is bad. How about winter? Let's think about winter. We're coming up on fall. I don't know whether you like that or not. Some of us like it. I do like it. But one thing annoys me about winter. What's that thing? Come on, follow me here. Not the snow. I like the snow. It's the darkness. Is anybody else agitated by the darkness at 4.30 when it looks like it's 12, you know, midnight? I can't handle that after a while. After a while, I just need some sun. The darkness just plays on my mind. But there are parts of this world that, you know, I think Alaska, they get like, the certain periods of the year, they get like four hours of sunlight. And the other 20 hours are darkness. And they said people in Alaska struggle with depression. Shocker. Because it's not good to live in darkness, is it? Now, I want us to illustrate this today. And the way we're going to illustrate this today is a little dangerous. I need all the lights shut off, please. I need all the lights shut off. And we're going to do our best because we're not going to keep all the light out here today. But I need the room dark, as dark as we can get it. And people, stay in your seats, okay? Can we kill the screens? Probably not, right? My face is probably glowing right now. 
because of my own screen. Is that the darkest we can get it? Okay, that's not very dark. But we have an illustration here that we're going to use. Before we get to the illustration, I want you to imagine if you never had any light to move around it. Okay? You lived in darkness. You know, for punishment back in the day, they used to put people in jail. And after they were even bad in jail, sometimes they would put them in what was called solitary confinement. And back in the day, at least, they put them in complete darkness for days. No light, nowhere for days. And they were trying to teach these people a lesson that even jail with light is better than no light at all. Because darkness eventually makes you go mad. Are you trying to turn the screens off? They're probably not going to work in there. But we have an illustration we're going to use here in a minute that shows you just how annoying it is to not be able to see with light. Because there's another bad thing about darkness. It makes it very hard to go where you want to go without getting lost or hurt. Wouldn't you say that's correct? Anyone try to walk into a darkened room and think you know where you're going and bump into a table or a chair or stub your toe? We're going to have a couple of our church members here that you know well, Dan and Elijah, are going to illustrate something for us. Now, I have blindfolds because I knew I couldn't get this room as dark as I wanted it to. So what we're going to do is we're going to blindfold these two guys. Yeah, why don't you do his and I'll do yours and yours. <laughs> and we're going to actually start them on this side of the room. And we're going to see if they can navigate back to the door without seeing at all. And you guys can't cheat, okay? If you can see through the blindfold, I need you to close your eyes. I can't even open my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So he's, he's good, okay? So you're good? You're good. All right. Why don't you bring him over and then I'll go. Okay. I want to make sure you guys. Where you want to go? Over here. Yeah, come on. Here. All right, I'm going to blindfold Dan now. And you guys, this is going to be the blind leading the blind. This is great. And I brought two of them just so they can kind of help each other. And their job is very simple. Is that good? Okay. Now, come here, guys. Come here. Now, your goal is very simple, okay? Okay. I want you to try to get back to the door to where the children go without seeing. So you guys can hold on to each other. You guys can help each other whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Someone's cold. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> was it you? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Elijah, over here, buddy. Hold the voice. Oh boy, hold it that way. Over here, over here. We'll start you in the right way. Oh, I hear a speaker here, so don't talk. Okay, don't fall on anybody's lap. I don't know. Sorry if I... I'm going to make sure there's no disaster here. <laughs> okay, we're going pretty good. Oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just a podium. Okay. I told you. Yeah. All right. Yeah, just stay right How we doing? How we doing? All right, a podium, and then I think there's a clearing. Ouch. <laughs> I told you, this is different today. We don't usually do this kind of thing. Oh, Elijah. <laughs> He's about to make a friend. Elijah. <laughs> All right, buddy. We stand up for us here. <laughs> okay, I don't know. <laughs> you guys have seen the point, right? You guys have seen the point. Okay, go left, Dan. Left.
All right, what did we notice? What did we notice with that little illustration? I want to leave the lights off for now, okay? What did we notice with that little illustration? It's hard to go the right way in the dark, right? That's simple, but it's profound to understand. If, if you walk in the darkness, you're not going to go the right way. Now, you can guess and sometimes get right. The world sometimes can be kind and nice and loving, but what they cannot do is go the right way that Jesus taught us. So Jesus came not only to teach us, but to shed light upon this world. Isn't that a good thing? So we can say, we can look into the word of God and say, I know what God wants. I know where to go. I have another illustration, and I need someone to hand these out as well. I just need one person. These can be handed out to every single person. Okay, thank you, Carol. If you don't want one, you don't have to take it. It's a little finger light. And everybody can take one today because there's a hundred of them. And I want you to leave the lights out for now. You can get your finger light, but don't turn it on yet, okay? Wait till everybody has theirs. You can put it on your finger, you can just hold it. There's a little rubber band, I believe, on them. All right, everybody get a finger light. Okay, leave it off, leave it off for now, okay? Leave it off for a second. We're going to turn them on at the same time, okay? These are pretty cool, right? Little finger lights. I don't know. It's called a finger light, but I don't know if you have to put it on your finger. <laughs> and you know what? Don't shine them in people's eyes. I think they're kind of bright, so let's be careful there. We don't want any eye injuries today. All right. Are people getting their finger lights now? Okay, this is what's going to happen, okay? Don't turn it on yet. But as, as you get your finger light, I want you to imagine with me again, a lot of imagining today, but I want you to imagine with me today that you lived in total darkness, okay? One of those jail cells I told you about where there's literally no light at all, okay? And someone handed you one of these little finger lights, and that was your only source of light. I want you to imagine living in darkness, but you had a finger light. Someone gave you a little bit of a light. And now you could turn it on. Whenever you get your light, turn it on. Turn it on. Don't shine into people's eyes, but turn it on. See, look at this. We're going to have like, wow, look at that. Disco. <laughs> Wyoming Valley Church Disco. Okay, now it does give you a lot of light, does it? And I don't know if it makes the point because it's still kind of dark in here. Now everybody's distracted. I can't get people's attention. I knew this was going to happen. You know it? But once you got light... Thank you. Once you get light, do you see what happens with the darkness? You can chase it away. You can chase away darkness with light. Wherever you don't want the dark to be, you shine the light on it. And Jesus said he's the light of the world, and without him we have nothing but darkness in our souls. And what we're telling you today is a little sampling of light, okay? But in order for you to have real light in your soul, you know what you need to do? You've got to be near Jesus. Now, can we turn all the lights back on? We're going to take the disco away a little bit here. <laughs> but we're going to turn all the lights back on, okay? We need to open the, shut, the shades as well and turn the lights back on. And I want you to send, this is a symbol right here for being near Jesus, okay? Look, look at the difference. Dan, can I have you do one more thing? Now, how about, let's do Elijah. Elijah, do one more thing. Walk back to the door now. Completely in the light. 
See, look how swift he's moving. Oh. Do you see the difference? Okay, thank you. Do you see the difference light makes? I know that's a very simple illustration, but that's the difference Jesus makes in our soul. When the lights are on, we can navigate, we can see, we can go the proper way. And if we understand how bad sin is, we will desire Jesus because Jesus says sin is darkness. And when you're walking in sin, you're going the wrong way. And people someday in our, in our day and age, they don't even know they're going the wrong way. So they have to experience Jesus. Jesus said he's willing to be our eternal light. But we need to understand that without Jesus, there's only darkness. Can you understand that today? So the question is this. Can we live without light in the world? Can we live without light in the world, guys? Can we get to heaven without Jesus? Can we navigate the right way without Jesus showing us the way to go? The answer is absolutely no. Because Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Okay, let's go to number three. In John 10, Jesus tells us, I am the door and the good shepherd. I don't want you to listen to this passage, okay? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them because, excuse me, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In this one passage, Jesus tells us that he's the shepherd, he's the door, and he's the way through the door. In one passage, he's the shepherd, he's the door, and he's the way through the door. And without the shepherd, the sheep, just like we learned about being in darkness, the sheep have no idea where to go. Do you guys know anything about sheep? They're dumb. They're dumb animals. They just are. Sheep are dumb animals. They need to be shepherded, and so do we. Because without the shepherd, the sheep are in danger. Did you know that? Without the shepherd, sheep do dumb things like wander near the wolf's den or wander near a cliff and sometimes fall off a cliff. Because they're dumb and they don't know what they're doing. So shepherds have to be there to show sheep where they're going. And the shepherd protects his sheep, doesn't he? He protects his sheep. And Jesus said, I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And I'm here to show you the right way to go. And unfortunately, in this illustration, we're the dumb sheep. We're the dumb sheep. We are the ones that think we know best. We think we know what we're doing. We don't need God. We don't need a shepherd. We know exactly what we're doing. We're going the same speed and direction. Everyone else is going, but Jesus says you're like sheep. And sometimes you wander into dangerous, really dangerous things. And without the door, there is no passageway to enter through life. Because Jesus said he is the door and he's the passageway to eternal life. Now, I have an illustration that I need my oldest son for. Haddon, you want to help me today, buddy? Okay, we're going to go back by the door again. I told you, we're going to get a little adventurous today. I'm going to show you something really simple. Hadn't done this with me at home, so he's not going to not know what to do. All right. In this illustration, yeah, turn around. 
In this illustration, right here, this is the world. Oh, someone just came out of heaven. She's an angel. She's a fallen angel. Okay, so in this illustration, right here, the sanctuary is the world, okay? Jesus said he is the door, okay? Patton, through this door is the kingdom of God. Show me what you need to do. Look how smart my son is. <laughs> See you, buddy. Enjoy heaven. All right, come back for you. That's enough. Do you see the illustration there? Patton, thank you, buddy. That's, that's all I need right now. Jesus said he's the door. If we go in through Jesus, we go to eternal life. It's that simple. Jesus used these simple illustrations so we know what he's talking about. And he said, listen, if you go through me, you go to eternal life. And if you don't, you don't. Because there's only one door. There's only one true door that leads us to eternal life. And in order to find life with God, we must have the door opened for us through Jesus. And he is the only one who can open that door. Did you know that? You can't get through the door without Jesus. Jesus is the only one who is the door, who knows where the door is, and knows how to get through that door. And at once, as soon as Jesus opens the door, he said, according to this passage, we can go in and be with our God forever. And that's a good place to be. We want to be with our God forever. Jesus also tells us that he is also the way through the door. Even if he is our shepherd and we have the truth of God's word, we have to follow Jesus, guys. We have to follow him. We have to learn how he lived and go that way as well. We have to listen to his teachings and obey those teachings because Jesus is giving us the direction to go. He said often, all the time, follow me, didn't he? I have one more illustration for this one. This one's only for the children, but can I have another volunteer hand some stuff out? All right, Elijah, you want to hand these out? Oh, never mind. Elijah, come on up. Hand these out. Had you want to come up? Hand these out to all the children, okay? I'm going to keep one so I can show everybody else what I'm talking about here. Hand those out to every kid, okay? Right before me, I have a maze. Do you see this maze? Can you guys see that from back there? Does that look hard? That's, that doesn't look like the maze you find in the cereal box, is it? Look at that maze. I got this as an illustration to illustrate for us today what the world is like, okay? And what, where we are without Jesus, we're in what's, what's called a maze, okay? I found one of the hardest mazes I could find online. This, this maze looks like it's going to take you a couple minutes to finish, <laughs> maybe even longer than that. I, it does look like there's an entrance and an exit somewhere along here, but... I'm sure some of us could probably complete it if we really tried, but this is an illustration for where we are without Christ, okay? And every kid, if you want to try that today, don't try it now, but you could try it on the way home or try it when you get home. Try to complete this maze and think about what it is like in this world without Jesus. Now, the world thinks they're navigating well through this. You guys ever been in a corn maze? One of those? And you think you're doing well? And all of a sudden you take a wrong turn and you have no idea where you're going and suddenly you're going, man, I need GPS to get out of here. Well, this is kind of how the world is functioning right now, okay? They think they're going well. They think they're walking through life pretty well and they're trapped in a maze. And Jesus said, listen, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. You're the sheep. And I came to show you where to go. And if you follow me, you'll get out. You'll get out. And not only will you get out of this maze, but you will find eternal life with God forever. But you have to go the way Jesus told you to go. You have to go the way Jesus went. Imagine if you say to Jesus, thanks, Jesus. Yeah, I appreciate it, but I'm going to go my own way. I'll find my own way to God. Are you going to get there? Are you going to get there? You know how Jesus knows? He's been there. 
He knows where heaven is. He knows where God is. He knows what it takes to please God. He came to this earth to die so that we could please God. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. If you follow me, you're going to go the right way. And you know what's interesting about this passage as well? We must have the good shepherd. We must have the right door. And we must have the way through the door. But you know how Jesus ends this passage? He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. When the sheep need me the most, when the sheep need someone to pay the ultimate price, the good shepherd says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Did Jesus lay down his life? Did Jesus go to the cross? He did. He laid down his life for the sheep. So Jesus, I'll ask this, ask this question for everybody. How about the kids? Is Jesus a good shepherd? Yes. Does he show us where to go? Does he teach us what to do? Did he lay down his life for us? Jesus is the good shepherd. He wants us to know today we can go the right way, but we have to go the way that he taught us. Moving quickly, let's go to number four. Jesus said, I am the resurrection in John 11. I have to read a little bit of a longer passage here. It's one that we've talked about a couple times, but listen to this passage. Jesus has a friend on earth called Lazarus, a really good friend called Lazarus. I don't know if you have a really good best friend, but Lazarus was a really good friend of Jesus, okay? And he found out one day that Lazarus was really sick. A report came to Jesus saying, Lazarus is really sick. And Jesus didn't rush to Lazarus' side. And that's an interesting point of the story because he knew what he was going to do. And in this story, you know what happens? Lazarus dies. Lazarus is so sick that he dies from his illness. And so the report comes to Jesus that Lazarus had died. And we're going to pick up the tale here in verse 17 because he's going to come to where Lazarus is, but by this time, Lazarus has already been dead. Okay, so listen to what it says. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Now we're going to bump ahead to verse 38 because Jesus comes to the tomb where Lazarus is because he has been dead for four days. And it says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. In this story, the man had been dead for four days. This man is dead. There's no question about it. This man is dead. He's been buried. He's been placed in a tomb. He's wrapped in burial clothes. He's dead. 
Did you guys ever see the phrase at the end of a movie that says, the end? They used to do it in older movies more so, but at the end of movies, they used to have this thing roll up before the credits that said, the end. And did you know that's how death feels to this world? Did you know that? That's how death feels to this world, that death is the end. We can have a lot of fun on the earth, but we all know death is coming for us. And once it does, that's the end of our lives. At least that's how the world thinks. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad that they're all waiting for the end to come for them? But the Bible teaches us differently. Death is actually the beginning to either eternal life with God, which we've been talking about, or a worse death, what Revelation calls the second death. And we call it hell. Death is actually the beginning of your eternal existence. But the earth thinks that once you die, rest in peace, it's over. That's the end of your life, that's the end of your existence. In our story, Lazarus died, and everybody gave up hope. He died. If, if Jesus would have come sooner, he could have healed Lazarus, but by the time he came, Lazarus is already dead, hope is gone, the story's over. But Jesus came to the tomb and he yelled into it, Lazarus, come out. And what happened? Kids, what happened? What happened with Lazarus? Did he, what happened? He came out. The dead man came out of the tomb? Four days and Jesus yells into the tomb, come out, and the man comes out. I need a volunteer. Okay, come on up. Who knows what this is? Candle. So you've seen candles before, right? You've had birthdays before, right? Okay, what, what do you do with candles? You light them and blow them out, right? Yeah. Now, how old are you? I'm 10. So you have 10 candles on your birth, last birthday cake? Um, yeah. Okay. So this candle right here is going to represent something. This candle right here represents our life, okay? When it's lit, this is representing our life, okay? And in our story, what happened is Lazarus died, and what happened to his life? It went out. It went out. Now, this is a, a candle that maybe you guys have seen before. Sometimes we buy these kind of candles for our kids because what happens when you blow on this candle? Something's going to happen. I hope this works. If it doesn't work, yikes. All right, let's try this. Can you blow this candle out for me? Yeah. Oh, bummer. Come on. Aha! Uh -huh! Four days later. See, it took four days. What just happened to the candle, guys? What happened? Can you do it again? Maybe it didn't work. Wow, look at that. Who else wants to come up and try? See if you can blow this candle out. Come on. Come on up, kids. Everybody. Give it a whirl. Aha. Now we're, now we're in a groove. Okay, good job. Okay, Titus has a good one there. Come on up. Come on up, Levi. Adelaide, you want to try? Come on up. Nope, Titus, go back to your seat, buddy. You got to turn. Wow, he really, oh, and he really tried. Adelaide, you want to try? Did that one work? Uh, Levi. Whoa. That wasn't supposed to happen. There we go. All right, Natalie, you want to try? All right. Okay. You guys get the point. I said it's going to keep coming. Someone may have to wash this off with the water because I don't know how to stop it. I want to take that over. Okay, you guys get the point, right? This candle is representing our life. And what happened to Lazarus is his light went out. His light went out, right? He died. And what happened when Jesus came to the tomb? What happened when he yelled into the tomb? What happened to Lazarus, guys? 
What happened? He was alive again. Do you see that? Do you see what Jesus is teaching us? That Jesus is the resurrection. He has authority over death. Everyone in the world believes that death makes the call, right? You guys have seen the, the little Halloween creature, death with the sickle. When he comes for you, it's over. That's the end of your life. But death bows to Jesus. Did you know that? Even death bows to Jesus. And if we want to live forever, who's the one that can give it to us? Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, you guys, you do, do you know this? We don't have to be scared of death. Did you know that? We don't have to be scared of death. We don't have to be scared of, of the thing that everyone else is scared of. And then another thing we don't have to do is we don't have to live for fun on this world because death is not the end for people who follow Jesus, but it's the start to our eternal life. And the world has it backwards. The world thinks, listen, we've got to get all our fun now. We've got to get all our memories now because the end is coming for us. And as soon as it comes, it's over. We've got to have all our fun and all our memories now. And the Bible says, no, no, not if you believe in Jesus. A, if you believe in Jesus, you're going somewhere way better than the earth. And B, if you believe in Jesus, you will rise from the dead. Dead, death will not conquer you. Death will not beat you. You do not have to be scared of death. And Jesus tells us that when we follow him, we follow the life giver, the resurrection. And he says when we pass from this world, it's actually going to get so much sweeter than it already is. So Jesus wants us to live boldly for him on this earth because we don't have to get all our fun and memories and happiness now. We have a place where that's going to happen for the rest of eternity. And he says, live for me, follow me, do my will. And when you die and your candle goes out and your light goes out, guess what happens? I will raise you from the dead and you will live with God for the rest of time. And he said that right in the passage, although you die, yet shall you live. Amen. So we could follow Jesus today because death does not have to scare us. And we have somewhere waiting for us that is so much better than what this world can give us. We got a couple more, so we got to keep moving. The next thing Jesus said is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this passage from John 14, verses 1, and 7, 1 through 7. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus taught us that he is the only way to God. Did you know that? If we try to get to God any other way, we're going to fail. I have another illustration. I'm actually going to need that phone there. This is the church phone. I should have had that in my pocket, but Adelaide's been using it. I want, to, I want someone to try someone for me. Does anybody have a cell phone with them? A silenced cell phone? I'm going to have you call the church number, okay? This church is not silenced, or this number is not silenced, I don't believe. Let's make sure of that. Okay, would someone be willing to call the church number? I'm going to give you the number, okay? Someone who has a cell phone. It could be an adult or a kid or whoever. I want you to dial this number, okay? And it's loud, so we're going to hear it when the calls, okay? Dial this number, 570-794. Who's going to do it, by the way? We should have one person do it. Okay, we have like five hands. 
It doesn't matter because they can all try. 570-794-160. Dial. 570-794-160. Just dial it. Humor me. I know. Dial it. 570-794-160. I'm going to wait for the, for the line to ring. I know I'm missing a number. This is the whole point. 570-794. It's like I've never dialed a phone before. My own mother. Did it, did it go through? I didn't hear the phone ring. Did it go through? No, it didn't go through, obviously, because I didn't give you the last number. Guys, if you tried to dial that number a million times, is it going to go through the phone? you got to have the right number, don't you? All right, I'm going to give you the right number now. 570-794-1609. Whoever calls me first wins. Go. Charge. Okay, let's see if it works. Just like the candle, this better work. 570-794-1609. Hope I have the right number. What? Okay, can someone else try it? 570-794-1609. Who's trying it? All right, thanks. It's not going through? Okay, well, that didn't work. Oh, there it is. You hear that? That's you? Okay, why is it ringing this time? Why is it ringing? Okay. <laughs> it's ringing because you have the right number. You get the point? It's ringing because you have the right number. When you called the number before, you didn't have the right number. And I was going to give you like a wrong number, but I didn't want you to call some random person. And who knows, they may have been in church and been very angry with us. But do you see how impossible it is to call the right phone without the right number? It's impossible. If, I, if you leave one number short, you're never going to get to the line. That's an illustration of trying to be with God without Jesus. If you try to have a relationship with God without Jesus Christ, you're never going to get to God, no matter how many times you try. Go sit down, Titus. So if we try to work our way to God through acts of kindness and charity, we're going to fail. If we try to work our way to God by doing a lot of religious things, we're going to fail. If we try to get to God by using our family background and upbringing and saying that since they love God, so must I, we will fail. If we don't trust in Jesus personally, we will fail. And we will never get to God. And not being, without, not being with our God is being without God's love and protection for the rest of eternity. Therefore, we must have Jesus and we must go through Jesus so we have that relationship with God. Do you understand that? Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to God. And for those who believe and follow him, he is the one right now that is preparing our eternal home for us. And if we find Jesus, guys, we find everything. We find everything. We get an eternal loving relationship with God. We get an eternal home in God's kingdom. And one day soon, we will always be with our Lord and Savior. But if we don't believe in Jesus, or we try to find another way to God, help me, everybody, what's going to happen? Are we going to get to God? No. Are we going to get to heaven? No. God will never hear our prayers, and he will not invite us into heaven if we don't go through Jesus. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Let's look at two more very quickly. I am the true vine. Listen to what John 15 says, verses 1 to 11. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my Father's commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. See, Jesus teaches us in John 15 that he is the true vine and we are the branches. And unless we abide in him, we cannot bear any fruit for God. And did you know we have to bear fruit for God, guys? We have to bear fruit for God. But the fruit that God wants from our lives is not like the fruit you're imagining, okay? It's not the grapes and the oranges and the apples and the bananas. God's fruit is different. You know what the fruit that God wants? God wants fruits of obedience, fruits of righteousness. And he says, not only do I desire this fruit, but I demand this fruit because you are my people. And in the passage, he calls us branches. Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches. Does anybody like fruit? Do you guys like fruit? Levi, I'm not going to ask Levi. Do you guys like fruit? Everybody likes fruit, right? Everybody likes a good piece of fruit. Well, God wants fruit. He's told us here in John 15 that he wants fruit from our lives. But here's the problem. This is us. Now, if you saw this branch connected to a tree, would you be shocked if it had leaves and things growing on it? Yes. Oh, because of the season. Okay, a little too specific. If it's, if it's the right time of season and things are growing, would you expect to see something on a branch that's connected to a tree? Yes. A piece of fruit, a leaf, or something like that. You know where I found this, though? On the side. On the road? Yep, on the side of the road, just laying there, just like this. And I wasn't shocked that there wasn't a piece of fruit hanging on it or a lot of leaves hanging on it. Why? Why wasn't I shocked? Because it's dead. And why is it dead? Because it's not connected to the tree. And do you know what, John, what Jesus says in John 15? If we're not connected to Jesus, this is what we look like to God. Now, if I lay this here on the stage for the entire week, who thinks, raise your hand if you think some apples and oranges are going to be laying there next Sunday. (laughs) That's not going to happen, is it? That's not going to happen. I can lay that there all day. I can water it. Maybe I will this week. I'll water it. And we'll see what happens. Is that going to grow any fruit? It's not because it's not alive. And it's not alive because it's not connected to the tree. And Jesus says, I'm the true vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And God says, I want fruit from your lives. I desire it. I demand it. I deserve it. I have made you what I made you to bear me fruit. But when we're disconnected from Jesus, that's what we look like to God. And right now that's bad. But if if that's still the way it is on the last day, you know what God does with that? If he finds that we're still this way on the last day, what do you do with a stick like this? What could you use it for now? 
throw it in the fire. If God sees that we're this way in the last day because we're not connected to Jesus, he'll throw us right in the fire. Now that's not the warmth feeling you're supposed to be getting, okay? That is the bad fire. Because God is going to say to us in the last day, you didn't do what I called you to do. You didn't bear me fruit and you didn't listen to my son. And if we don't abide in Jesus, we're like a dead, dry, useless branch. So we need to be connected to Jesus by faith. And because it's impossible to obey God or bring him any fruit without abiding in Jesus. We must be around Jesus. We must listen to what Jesus says so we can bear the fruit that he expects. And if we do abide in Jesus, we will bear much fruit. You guys like fruit? I told you most kids like fruit, but I know what kids like even more than fruit. Fruity flavored things. Yeah. I, have a, I have a little surprise. Would someone hand these out? Now, listen, I know this isn't fruit, and parents, I apologize. I just do. I need someone to hand it out to the kids. Let's do it that way. Would some adult hand these out to the kids? <laughs> you know, because a kid getting a basket of candy, we may not see that kid or that candy again. Here we go. Make sure the kid get at the least kids one. Get one. Yes, the kids, the adults can have one too. I don't care. But, guys, listen. The candy is candy. I know it's candy, but it's fruit-flavored candy, and I did that on purpose. Every kid. Every kid can have some. If the parents are okay with it. Do you see the fruit? Do you see the candy? It's fruit-flavored, right? It's good. It's, it's fruit-flavored. Now, that's representing something, okay? God has told us in John 15 that he wants fruit from our lives because God likes fruit. And the fruit I told you is different than the fruit that you and I enjoy when we go to the grocery store. God's fruit is fruit of righteousness and fruit of obedience. And God desires and deserves that he gets that fruit from our lives when it's time to come and get us. And I want the candy to represent what the branch could not represent. The branch was not connected to the tree, and it didn't bear anything. But the candy represents something good, right? Something that God desires in and something that God delights. Okay, we got one more. In Revelation 22, Jesus said, I am coming soon. We're almost done here, so this is the home stretch. In verse 12, listen to what, what the Word of God says concerning Jesus. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Bumping along here to verse 21, he says, He who testifies to these to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. See, the last thing Jesus teaches us is that he's coming soon. For all that we have learned today, for all that we have processed today, we have to remember how crucial Jesus is for our souls. And here's another interesting tidbit. We can't delay in following Jesus. We can't delay in following Jesus. You guys know what this is? A stopwatch. It's a stopwatch. Now, I felt like an idiot when I did this, but I bought this stopwatch because I thought it was going to count down. Do stopwatches count down? No. They count up, right? Yeah, I didn't know that. So this isn't going to work. I had to find something on my phone. I thought this was going to count down. It was going to be this cool little timer thing. But I have an app on my phone. You know, I told you about the Swiss Army knives. These are kind of like Swiss Army knives now. And I'm going to set a timer for two minutes. 
Okay, and this timer is representing something that every second second that ticks off this timer is one moment closer we get to standing before God. And right now the clock is ticking. And I don't know how long it has. I don't know if it has years or moments or days or whatever. But this is representing something here that every single second we get closer and closer to the end. And if we want God to be happy with us, we have to follow his son, Jesus. We have to. And right now time is still on our side. It's still on our side. And if we want to follow Jesus, we can today. We can. And that's the great thing about God's word. But once time runs out, and I don't know when it's going to run out, but once time runs out, we're out of time. And whoever we're with on the last day when time runs out is who we're with for the rest of eternity. If we listen to Jesus and follow Jesus and made Jesus our everything, we're going to be forever with God. If we neglected Jesus and his teachings, we are going to be forever without our God. We're going to be forever outside of the kingdom of God. And no one wants God to shut the door in, in your face on the last day, right? So how important is it that we believe in and follow and love Jesus with our lives? Because the time is ticking. The time is going by. and God wants us to find eternal life with Jesus. But you know you're the only one who can make that decision? You and I are the only ones who can make the decision to follow Jesus. I can't make it for you. And you can't make it for me. You have to make the decision today to say all of this is true and I have to follow Jesus before the time ends. And right now, like I said, we have a day. We have an opportunity to start following Jesus now. But when this time runs out, that's it. And God has told us, I'm coming soon. Jesus said, I'm coming soon. And when the time runs out, and this timer is going to run out here in a second, it's going to make a loud noise. See if I can shut it up now. When that time runs out, it's over. It's over. And I know that's it's, it's sort of hard to say, but that's true. When that timer runs out, we're, we're where we are, where we are for the rest of eternity. If we're with Jesus, when that timer runs out, he takes us through the door and we're with God for the rest of time. But if we're not, then that's the end. And God will take our dead, dry, useless branch and throw us where we belong. And I need to say that because Jesus said these things. And this is how I'm going to finish today. Is Jesus your bread of life? Is Jesus your light of the world? Is Jesus your door and good shepherd? Is Jesus your resurrection? Is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life for you? Is Jesus your true vine? And my last question is, are you aware that Jesus is coming soon? And we have to prepare for eternity today. Jesus is the great I am, and he's worthy of us to follow him with our lives. And I hope that's been a good lesson for us today, all of us, adult or child or anyone in between. I hope that's been an encouraging thing for you to hear, that we can and we should give Jesus our all because he is our all. And we've learned that several times today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this lesson. I thank you for blessing it and helping us understand these things, Father. You have taught us, and Jesus has taught us all of these truths, and I pray that we'd listen today. Help us, young or old, to put these things into practice and use the illustrations to help us, because that's why they're there, to remember how good it is to follow our Lord Jesus. Father, you gave us hope through him, you gave us life through him, and one day we will be with you forever if we listen to him. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.